to the Be Glad movement. My name's Pollyanna and I'm on a mission to bring you as many stories as possible of good coming out of bad and reasons to be glad. In this episode from back in 2018, I talked to the phenomenal Mark Ormrod, who was the first British triple amputee from the Afghan conflict. Despite his horrific injuries, and actually being initially assessed dead while being Kazavaked in the back of a Chinook helicopter, he did actually go on to receive groundbreaking and ultimately life-saving treatment that day. Mark is an amazingly dedicated and determined character who always gives every situation his all. Listen on to hear his amazing story. Okay, so um, I'm a former Royal Marine. I uh, joined the Marines in 2001, straight out of school, hoping to fulfill a, a full 22-year career. Uh, deployed to Iraq on Operation Talit 1 in 2003 when I was 19. Mm-hmm. Um, various exercises and deployments around the world. Took a brief 12-month gap um, and retrained as a bodyguard in 2006. But things didn't really work out for me. Right. So 2007, I rejoined the Royal Marines and went straight into a deployment of Afghanistan. Um, deployed September 7th, 2007. Halfway through the tour on Christmas Eve that year, I was out on a routine foot patrol. I was just on the way back into camp to finish up where we were going to be given two days R&R because um, it was Christmas and we were going to try and take some downtime. Mm-hmm. And on the way back in, I stood on a detonated and improvised explosive device which resulted in me losing three of my limbs. Okay. And you were the first triple amputee of the UK's, conflict? UK's yeah. first triple amputee, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Not something that anyone really aims for, is it? You know? I've had better Christmases. Yeah. I've had better Christmases. But, um, you know, and I always say this, you said earlier, I do a bit of the speaking, um, travel around and tell my story to people. And, and one of the, the main things I like to get across to people hmm. is how incredible the guys were with me on the ground from the moment that I was injured right. you know wh- one of the things that really blew me away excuse expression <laughs> but you do all this training mm-hmm. for these different scenarios and you you mess it up time after time after time in training and maybe you'll get it right you know four or five times out of ten yeah but when it actually happens and people's lives depend on it that the people around you just they just do it and it becomes so professional because we're trained in this situation not to go running and diving into a minefield to help the guy out because you risk setting off any other devices that are around which could injure or kill you or injure or kill the casualty and you know in that situation i don't know what the guys were feeling um but they must have been looking at me as one of their comrades and friends lying there dying and they their emotions want them to run in to help, but they're trained not to. Mm. And everyone is given a predetermined task in the event of this happening, and everyone just clicked in so well. You know, straight away, one guy's on the radio, and he's he's ordering in a Kazivak. The guy closest to me, who, if I remember, had only finished his training about three months previously and, and flown straight out. He was marking a safe route to me for when the medic got there. One of the other guys was coordinating a defensive position in case there was a, a follow-up attack by the enemy everyone just clicked in so well and when the medic did get to me he could run straight in he didn't risk injuring himself or anyone else got to work on me straight away stabilized me and got me out of there as quick as he could so fantastic even in that situation when i was lying there bleeding out dying i remember thinking 
these guys are incredible. They're just doing what they're trained to do and they're so professional. Awesome, awesome. Mm -hmm. But you were actually considered dead at one point, weren't you, when the helicopter? I did, I did die, yeah. yeah. Um, when they got me onto the back of the helicopter, uh, when they, they felt me for a pulse and I didn't have one, they, they tried to put an intravenous line into me to give me fluids, mm. but all of my veins had collapsed because of the massive blood loss. And then they put an oxygen mask on me, which they said should have steamed up to show that I was breathing, but it didn't. Right. So they put me in a corner and called, you know, made the call that I was dead. And there was another guy injured who had shrapnel in his back, so they carried on working on him. Right. Now, when one of the medics walked past me to get some equipment to go back and work on the other casualty, uh, they said that my eye fluttered, which meant that my heart was beating. So he then alerted some of the other medics. They came over to me, and then they performed a procedure on me, which the, the army medical field and what they're called but the, the top brass there they'd only just cleared this technique for use three days prior wow. and they had only ever practiced it in a clean sterile room um in, in some sort of training exercise yeah and it involved two people taking a drill one each and one were drilling through the front of my hip one were drilling through the back right next to all my vital organs in a chinook helicopter banking left to right covered in sand and dust and all the adrenaline flowing and chaos going on wow. and they drilled in they put an intravenous line in and then they said within about three minutes i was awake again and they brought me back and i was respond responsive and answering their questions coherently wow. not just babbling so they, they saved me again so professional so slick so quick so calm um so many things just went on that people were so good that you know that's the reason i'm here now that is yeah, mind-boggling, mm. mind-boggling, because mm -hmm. literally, yeah, dead men. Yeah, I mean, it's tragic being the casualty and, and having a fight for your life, but doing that job that I did, I was comfortable with that. That's what I enjoyed and that's why I, I couldn't do a medic's job. I've right. got so much respect for those people. I, I couldn't be the guy stood there looking at this and then in my brain thinking, okay, my training, what did I do? Do I do this? Do I do that? Do I this guy's life depends on it. I'd be panicking and flapping. It's mm. just, that's out of my comfort zone. So I've just got so much respect for those guys, how they can do that under that pressure. And like I said, in, in the back of a helicopter, that's just flying out of a combat zone, avoiding fire, sand and dirt flying everywhere. Your visibility's down. And yeah. it's just insane how they could do it. But here you are, they did it. They did do Excellent. it, they did do it. And you've gone on to achieve some really great things as well, haven't you? I know it's been sort of just over 10 years ten ago years now. Um, but last year you were in the Invictus Games, weren't you? I was, yeah. And got five medals, is that right? Uh, four medals and Thanks. then the award for, um, I think it was Outstanding Athlete of the Games it was yeah. called, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that was a bit of a crazy journey, uh -huh. you know. It, when when I went through rehab, um, a lot of my friends and colleagues, when they were injured, they were they were coming in after they they just jumped straight into sport, mm. and I didn't bother. You know, I, I had different goals. Uh, my main goal was to ditch my wheelchair, which I did in June two thousand nine, so nine years this month. Mm. Um, and none of these sports that people offered interested me. Okay. You know, before I was injured, I, I did I I fought Muay Thai, full contact kickboxing, and then I boxed for the Marines. So it was very much um contact sports where you needed all your limbs and I, I didn't there was just something about adaptive sports that i didn't like and right. I, I didn't have any interest in so i left it and then 
what I do is every December I'll sit down and I'll scribble out all my goals for the following year. Uh-huh. And I was sat in my office at home and I was scribbling all these goals down. And I just, I sat there and just closed my eyes for a minute and thought what would be really cool to achieve. And I had this mental image of a jigsaw puzzle uh-huh. and it kind of had family there, career there, health and fitness, finances and all these other areas that I've been working on over the last nine years hmm. but the one that was missing was sport okay so I thought you know what I'll, I'll have a go at these adaptive sports they, I'll try and find something that I think I can enjoy and that I'll be passionate about I'll have a go and it'd be a nice way to round off a 10-year anniversary by doing the thing that I haven't done now rather than just you know taste these sports and have a little go I thought I'd, I'd seen in the three years previously you know, a lot of my friends doing the Invictus Games and achieving incredible things and not just medals, but, you know, taking their rehab and their recovery to another level. I'd seen people that were really shy and didn't like crowds, then going out into these crowds and really excelling these sports. So I thought I'll give this a go and jump straight into the deep end. Yeah. So I signed up for the Invictus Games last year. I went in with the wrong attitude, I think. Oh, okay. My, my attitude was, this is going to be quite easy. I'm a Royal Marine. It's going to be brute force and ignorance. I'm pretty fit. I'll better just go in and trash everybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I went to my first training camp and I walked away extremely humbled by how high a level these guys competed at, how hard it was, mm. how it wasn't just about brute force and ignorance. Even things like rowing where you go backwards and forwards, yeah. I thought, well, how hard can that be? And how strategic can it be? And, and I was completely wrong. There's so much strategy, so much technique, so much training involved. Um, so it really made me sit back and think. And then I just kind of switched my mindset. and thought I need to have the, the mindset of an athlete, not right. just a guy that's turning up to go as hard as he can. Yeah. I need to become a, an athlete in my mind. Sure. And so I just started training and researching and, and really listening to my coaches and, and sucking in all the information that they'd give me, taking it back, testing it, and then just doing, you know, everything I could to be better. Yeah. You know, and everyone at the games has their own individual idea of what success means. Mm-hmm. So that's for some people it's personal bests. Yeah. For some people, like I said, it's just being in an environment with all the crowds screaming and shouting where they're not comfortable. And for some people, it's medals. Sure. You know, for, for me, it was medals. I wanted to push myself as hard as I could physically and mentally yeah. and then see what I could achieve. Mm-hmm. So I just went out and thrashed myself for like 10 months. And I went to Canada last year, picked up two silvers in the row and two bronzes in the swimming and then the award for Outstanding Athlete of the Games. Did nothing at all in the cycling. Those guys were phenomenally um, good at what they did. Mm. Way better than I could ever hope to be, I think. Um, but I gave it a shot. Yeah. And uh, I'm now in training for this year's games over in Australia. So I've literally just finished training this morning. I was up at five um, okay. on the rower, on the bike, um, and then came straight over here. So you're going to do rowing, cycling and swimming again? No, I'm going to row, I'm going to swim, and I'm going to do shot put and discus. Oh, wow, okay. My idea this year, um, so last year I did a four minute row and a one minute row, a 50 meter swim and a one minute, uh, a 100 meter swim. And then the time trial bike race and the criterion race. And it literally consumed my year. You know, that four minute row is really, really difficult physically. And that consumed my year, just trying to hit the target I wanted to hit and get a gold medal in that. Mm -hmm. So this year I thought, okay, I'll do the one minute row I'll do the 50 meter swim 
and I do shot put and discus because I, I feel I'm more suited to short, sharp, quick events okay. and power-based events. Yeah. And then uh, a friend of mine who's a serving Royal Marine, he was a, a PTI, he's now an, an officer, he works with the Invictus Games. When I was travelling back from London about three weeks ago, uh, about eight o'clock in the evening, he rang me up and he said, look, I'm just confirming your events, I'm sending your paperwork off now, can you confirm you're doing the one minute row, the 50 metre swim, shot put and discus? Yeah. I said, yep, yeah, that's what I'm doing. He said, why are you not doing the four minute row and the 100 metre swim? I said, you know, I just wanted to take it a little bit easier this year, try and enjoy the whole experience a bit more instead of just thrashing myself with training. And he went, so you're not doing a four minute row and you're not doing a 100 metre swim? I said, no. He said, you are now, and he oh. hung the phone up. Oh no. So, <laughs> Now I am doing the four minute row, the one minute row, the 50 minute swim, the 100 minute swim, shot put and discus. Oh my goodness. So it is full on training now, yeah. um, which I started about three weeks ago, all the way through now till we leave on October 15th. Crikey, October mm -hmm. 15th, wow. So you've trained this morning, are you training two or three times a day or literally just sort of? It's it's really difficult because um, I have a full-time job. I work for the Royal Marines Charity, mm -hmm. so I'm doing that in a day. Um, I have three children, yeah. so I, I try and do as many of the, the school runs and that kind of stuff as sure. possible. But I train early in the morning so that I can fit in a full day's work. Mm -hmm. I actually did this morning when I was uh, in there think I'm going to do some strength and conditioning later because yeah. I've got a, quite a slack day today, so I'm probably going to hit the weights a bit later. Mm -hmm. But then I do a lot of travelling as well. You know, so I'm speaking in Glasgow this week, so that's a day out of training. Sure. So I have to catch up on the weekend. But, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that my job is very flexible. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the other guys on the team, they have nine to five jobs right. and children as well. And just trying to fit the training it is hard in itself. Um, but we all, we all do the best we can, so I will try and fit in. You know, it's got, I've got to do at least one session a day, right. at least five times a week. Yeah. Um, that's a bare minimum to keep it up i've got a friend who's a physio and she says that if you if you aren't using your muscles continuously it can literally deteriorate within a day mm. you need to be exercising all the time to keep your strength up and that's funny because i've just taken this weekend as, as a rest weekend mm. and i've been absolutely knackered really? the entire weekend of, of doing nothing right i've just been i've been napping like an old man in a day uh -huh. like getting to two o'clock and just falling asleep in a chair but when I get up now and I'm on it at five o'clock in the morning and I'm going about my day working and everything else, I can go to 11 at night and I'll be up again at five the next day. But when I take that time off, yeah, I just feel tired. Mm. Sets you up, <clears throat> excuse me, sets you up for the day, doesn't it? Oh, if you've yeah. done exercise, in the mm -hmm. I prefer to exercise in the morning mm -hmm. and, uh, and then I feel like I've got a lot more energy for the yes. rest of the day. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And am I right in thinking that you're going to make a, a movie about the rest of your life? Or all of your life is that you did some kickstarter fundraising yes i did yeah uh last year february uh well january we started uh myself and another former royal marine matt elliott mm. we started a fundraising campaign to make a documentary um which was very successful it, the original plan was that we would finish it in december last year and then release it to coincide with my 10-year anniversary right but this thing just snowballed over the year and then you know the invictus games wasn't a plan of mine at the beginning of last year that came in so Matt came out to Canada with us and we got loads more footage but I'm actually working on Matt tomorrow right. and we're finishing off um, literally I think tomorrow is our last day okay. um, where he's doing he's done all the editing we've just got to sync up some bits and pieces um, right. view, review all the footage it's gonna be a long day yeah but that's gonna be finished this year um, mm. that's gonna be out and it's a, it's a fly on the wall documentary just 
follow me around, seeing what life is like as a triple amputee sure. with work, with training, with family, uh, with the career and all that kind of stuff. So I'm excited for when it comes out. I've, yeah. I've been waiting a long time to get this finished. So I just hope it has a, a good uh, reception from the guys that helped to fundraise for it and, and I hope it does well. Because you exceeded the target that you originally set, didn't you? We did. We, yeah. we, we raised 35,000 in the end, yes. um, which is really you know helped out we got the drones and some some fancy kit and it helped pay for matt's time when we were out filming and traveling and hotels and that kind of stuff yeah. so awesome mm. it'd be nice if you can get it out to coincide with the invictus games this year i, I think we can awesome. i think we can and um, let's say tomorrow is the last day of working on it mm -hmm. so then it should just be a little bit of you know matt's end of things or that we're fancying it up and then we can just get it out there Cool. So obviously this is a big grab movement and it's sort of trying to extract good that's come out. Obviously the Invictus Games is a good thing that's mm -hmm. come out. But when you reflect back on your experience of, of being blown up, essentially, what do you what would you say is sort of your biggest learning curve or what do you think, how has it sort of affected your life the most, do you think? I, this is going to sound corny and cliche, but I just think that in any bad situation that we face in life anybody mm. and then that's completely individual to, to that person what they class as a bad situation as hard as it is if you look for the positive in that situation you focus on that rather than negative you you can take your life in a completely different direction and, and live on a completely different level yeah you know when, when i was injured you know i was the first in the uk I used to look around at other guys in rehab who maybe had a baloney amputation who could get up within three weeks of being injured, pop on their leg and walk off. And yeah. I used to get so down about it. Right. And I used to think, you're so lucky. I wish that was me. And then when I went to rehab, um, I was put in a high dependency room. There were four rooms behind the nurse's station. Mm. And there, there was a guy in one and me in another and two empty ones. And I, I never saw the guy when I first went there. And in my first night in rehab, I just heard this guy just screaming in pain all night. And then the next day I went past in my wheelchair and he was a young guy, I think he was 19. He had half his head blown off by a hand grenade. Oh my goodness. Um, and he was craned in and out of his bed, he couldn't speak. He had to be washed and fed. And I just thought, actually, my life isn't that bad. Right. I'm, what you see is what you get. I mean, I've got no internal injuries to my organs. Uh, everything works fine. It's just literally a couple of limbs missing. Sure. You know, and what, what's the good in my situation? So I just started looking for that and focusing on that mm. and getting myself around really good people. Yeah. You know, I was quite brutal actually with getting rid of negative people in my life. Right. You know, the guys that focused on negativity, I just really just swept them out of my life as much as I could and got around guys that were more interested in focusing on the good and what they could do, not just for themselves, but even further beyond that, helping other people sure. in similar situations later on. And, you know, I, people find this hard to believe when I say it. My, my life is brilliant. You know, I couldn't ask for a better life. I've had so much help and had so many good people around me and been out and had so many opportunities to do things and experience so much that I don't think I ever would have got to do mm. had this not happened. Um, you can't help but be grateful for things then. Yeah, mm. fantastic. Thank you so much for giving up this time and coming to talk to Pleasure. me. I really, really appreciate it. And I'll share links at the end to your website and, and everyone can track along for when that uh, film gets released because that's really exciting. Mm. 
such an inspiration to so many people. Mark actually went on to win seven more medals at the 2018 Invictus Games later that year, including a gold for a swimming event that he wasn't even down to compete in. His zest for life is palpable. If you aren't following him already, I thoroughly recommend that you do, and I'll share the links in the notes section of this podcast. If you like this episode, then please do like and share it with anyone who you feel may benefit from hearing it. Join the conversation over on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and I'll look forward to replying to any of your comments there. I'm looking for more people to interview so please do let me know if you have any suggestions. It doesn't matter if it's a similar story to one that has already been covered as each person's story in their own words has the ability to help at least one person in their time of need if not more. The Be Glad Movement podcast is free to listen to, but if you did want to help me raise money for the invaluable work that the Samaritans do, then please do follow the link at www.beglad.co.uk to donate. Anything you can spare will be so gratefully received. With so much love, you've been listening to Pollyanna, Mark Ormrod and the Be Glad Movement. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other and I'll look forward to catching up with you in the next episode.